Good day to you, brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces. Welcome to Current Events and Christian Expectations. And today, in this podcast, we'll discuss where science says that Christianity is based on myths. But the biggest myth of all is the myth inside of science. Today, we'll lead off with Genesis 1-1. As usual, we'll have several other scriptures that we'll reference and read today, and we'll put those in the overview. So, with the biggest myth of all as the theme today, let's just dig right in. Right. The current event is brought to us from our friends of the North, Canada. Recently, in their parliament, they passed what's called Bill C-4. It's now a law in Canada. I'm going to read from the preamble. You're going to hear some references to LGBT, but this podcast is not about that. This is just a stepping off point to delve into a bigger issue with science. We already have done some LGBT podcasts. In the preamble of this bill, which is now law in Canada, Bill C-4, we have this. I'm reading the particular parts that apply. Conversion therapy, and by the way, conversion therapy is when you attempt to take someone who says they're of this particular gender or sex and change them to something else. In other words, counseling people who are homosexual in order to help them become heterosexual. Conversion therapy propagates myths about sexual orientation, especially the myth that heterosexuality is to be preferred over other sexual orientations. Mm. Now, what is the problem here? Well, first of all, it's anti-biblical, and the bill criminalizes CT, conversion therapy, what we call biblical counseling, for up to five years in prison. So, be done with biblical counseling. Now, we're not addressing the LGBT issue here. The issue we're addressing is the myth of science that makes LGBT possible. They say that Christianity propagates myths. We say, no, the biggest myth is the one that science operates out of, and we're addressing that in this podcast. What is the myth? That the cosmos is a closed system. There is no creator outside the cosmos. So what's the Christian expectation? Science, rightly understood, supports the biblical assertion of a creator God who is separate from and over all of nature in heaven and earth. So, science is limited to the natural world and therefore proclaims that's all there is. Mm. This is a myth. I'm going to be quoting a lot from Dr. Robert Jastrow, and I want to lead into that by giving you a little bit of his bio, and this, is, trust me, is just a little. It's extensive. Dr. Jastrow received his A.B., M.A., and Ph.D. degrees in theoretical physics from Columbia University. He joined NASA when it was formed in 1958 and was a prominent figure in the American space program from its inception. Dr. Jastrow was the first chairman of NASA's Lunar Exploration Committee, which established the scientific goals for the exploration of the moon. Dr. Jastrow hosted more than 100 CBS TV network programs on space science. He was a special guest of NBC TV with Werner von Braun for the Apollo Soyuz uh, flights, and he was the featured guest on the Today Show for the 10th anniversary of the landing on the moon. Dr. Jastrow has written many books, of which I'll be quoting from some, articles as well on astronomy and space. Those articles have appeared in New York Times, Reader's Digest, Foreign Affairs, Commentary, Atlantic Monthly, and The Scientific American. He died in 2008. Now, here's a quote from Dr. Jastrow just to show you that this is not some uh, Christian coming in and just spouting his own views. Quote, when a scientist writes about God, says Dr. Jastrow, 
His colleagues assume he is either over the hill or going bonkers. In my case, it should be understood from the start that I am an agnostic in religious matters. Okay, that's clear. And he is, or was. He died in 2008. Here's another quote. Scientists have no proof that life was not the result of an act of creation, but they are driven by the nature of their profession to seek explanations for the origin of life that lie within the boundaries of natural law. Now that's a quote from the book, The Enchanted Loom. Well, life originated outside natural law. That's what we as Christians know and believe. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, let's move back to the 1980s. Some of you might remember uh, Dr. Carl Sagan, very popular science writer, explainer. I think he was like on Johnny Carson's show 1,000 times. Yeah, the pale blue dot. The pale blue dot. Yes. Yes. Here's his view on this from his opening line on the Cosmos series on TV on PBS in 1980. And it's also the opening line for the book he wrote. Quote, the cosmos is all that is or ever was or ever will be. That's not a scientific fact. That's an assertion. There's no proof offered. To have proof, you'd have to be somewhere outside the cosmos to mm -hmm. make that point. Listen to this from Revelation 4, verses 8 through 11. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Now note how Scripture anticipates, 2,000 years before Dr. Sagan, anticipates the closed system of the cosmos. The cosmos, says Dr. Sagan, is all that is, ever was, or will be. Book of Revelation, 2,000 years ago, says there's a creator God who was and is, is the one to come and always will be. Yeah. Revelation states again and again that God is the creator, anticipating the last day's denial of the creator. Here's a couple more passages. First one is Revelation 10, 5 through 7. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, the sea and what is in it, and there would be no more delay, but that in those days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Uh, the creator God in the book of Revelation is prominent. Here again, chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Dr. Sagan's statement cannot be proved scientifically. It can only be accepted on faith. Faith, that is, an eternal matter. The only other option is what we Christians believe. There is an eternal God. Does science destroy Genesis 1-1? 
just a couple of quotes as we move on um, about this. Here's Louis Pasteur. He says, a bit of science distances one from God, but much science nears one to him. Mm. Science brings one nearer to God. Paul Davies, another author I've read in the decades past, popular uh, around the world. He's an Englishman, a physicist. Mm -hmm. uh, he says the following, It may seem bizarre, but in my opinion, science offers a surer path to God than religion. Mm. Let's break this down now and see about the closed system and the beginning of creation. Randy's going to read from Genesis 1, 5, 11, 14 through 16, verse 20 and 24, just some excerpts to make the point. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Verse 11. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. Verses 14 through 16. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And verse 24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. Now this account of the creation of all things is singular in the ancient world. Here's why. The God of Genesis, the account you just heard from Randy reading, this God secularizes nature and the cosmos, making science possible by rendering nature a thing and not a divinity. The ancient religions saw nature as divinities. Trees were gods. Rivers, like the Nile, was a god. Animals were gods, mm -hmm. and so forth and so on. Stars were gods. At the same time, Genesis clearly affirms nature is not a closed system. God is separate from nature. God brought to pass all that is. What is science's explanation for all that is? Now, disclaimer, we're going to look at the Big Bang Theory. We're not saying we endorse everything about it. We are saying that the science used to support it is well done. Mm. And, and this is the problem that Dr. Jastro, as a scientist says, science won't look at the facts. Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory is how astronomers explain the way the universe began. It's the idea that the universe began as just a single point, and then expanded and stretched, I'll keep that in mind, we're going to look at Isaiah here in a little bit about this, expanded and stretched to grow as large as it is right now, and it's still stretching, as we shall see. Does the Big Bang carry within it the answer to its origin, as does the Genesis account? Here's a quote from Dr. Jastrow. There is no explanation in the Big Bang theory for the seemingly fortuitous fact that the density of matter has just the right value for the evolution of a benign, life-supporting universe. 
He uses evolution, obviously different from the way it's used by other scientists. So a universe of wonder and order comes out of a bang. As in all bangs, the center point expands outward in all directions. Yet, in this case, in a very orderly fashion. This is not a stick of dynamite that destroys things. Mm -hmm. This is an explosion that puts symmetry, design, yeah. uh, clear intelligence into the cosmos. And this is in accordance to Hubble's law. We all are familiar with Hubble telescope. Uh, Edwin Hubble, Hubble was a great uh, scientist. And here's his law. He discovered it. Here it is. He discovered that the degree of redshift observed in light coming from a galaxy increased in proportion to the distance of that galaxy from the Milky Way. Now, in common words, what does that mean? It is the observation in physical cosmology that galaxies are moving away from the Earth at speeds proportionate to their distance. In other words, the farther they are from Earth, the faster they're moving away from our planet. Now, here's what Mr. Dr. Jastrow says. Quote, the Hubble Law is one of the great discoveries in science. It is one of the main supports of the scientific story of Genesis. Mm -hmm. Now, keep that illustration, the Big Bang, things moving out, stretching, all that, as we have some passages that Rain is going to read first from Isaiah 40, 21 through 23. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing, and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Stretches, present tense, stretches everything out. Isaiah 42, 5. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. Just as he spreads out the earth, separating the water from the land in Genesis account, other places in the Psalms speak of the uh, creator God stretching the land out. Likewise, what we see in the heavens is stretched out and it's still stretching. Uh, the earth, the universe, matter, space, time was brought into existence. Once there was no matter, no time, and then there was. Let's take a look at Isaiah 45, 12. I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their host. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Yes, the chapters 40s, the 40s in Isaiah are very big on the sovereignty of God, and there's no more sovereign act than bringing everything to existence out of nothing. Isaiah 45, 18 goes on to say, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, He is God, who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Exactly. And this is not a science experiment by God. It's an act of wisdom. That must be understood. Mm -hmm. And notice, we're in, we've read from Genesis, we're reading from Isaiah, we've read from Revelation. Rain is going to read a rather longer passage from Proverbs 8, but is well worth the listening to. Proverbs 8, 22-30, which is about creation as an act of wisdom. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. 
When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth and its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limits, so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him, like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always. So wisdom brings about wonder, and wonder brings about worship. Wisdom Mm -hmm. always brings about wonder. Say that again. Wisdom brings about wonder. For example, Solomon, Mm. wisest man on earth, Queen of Sheba, was blown away. Mm -hmm. It was a wonder that he had this this all comes from God. God in creating the universe did it in wisdom. This is one of the reasons why we have the sense of wonder and want to worship the Lord who made the creation mm. because it is made in wisdom. But only of the God, that is the wisdom, they had, only God has that wisdom. That was some. worth the price of admission today. That right there was worth tuning in today, people. Right okay. Yeah. <laughs> wisdom produces wonder and out of that comes worship. That's the uh, sequence. Uh, but uh, not to worship creation, but to worship the God who in wisdom brought about creation. Now, here's another quote from Dr. Jastrow. What is the ultimate solution to the origin of the universe? The answers provided by the astronomers are disconcerting and remarkable. Most remarkable of all is the fact that in science, as in the Bible, the world begins with an act of creation. Mm. Here is the great philosophical Quandary. Many moons ago, back in the 70s, I taught a course on the philosophy of religion. And the great question of philosophy is the following Why is there something instead of nothing? Mm. And there's only two answers. Stuff has always been, that's what the Greeks believe, it's eternal, or God put it there. Mm. It's a clear choice. There's no in between. God is the first and ultimate wonder. He is the explanation for everything else while he remains the unexplained truth of the cosmos. And he's the God of love. Who mm. knew? Mm. Not the Greeks, not no. the Romans. Nope. Didn't have a, didn't have a clue. Here is Mr. Jastrow, Dr. Jastrow again. Astronomers now find that they have painted themselves into a corner because they have proven by their own methods that the world began abruptly in an act of creation to which you can trace the seeds of every star, every planet, every living thing in this cosmos and on the earth. And they have found that all this happened as a product of forces they cannot hope to discover. That there are what I or anyone would call supernatural forces at work is now, I think, a scientifically proven fact. Mm. Dr. Jastrow. Let's take a look now at Romans chapter 4, verse 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Calls into existence the things that do not exist. Whether it's a progeny way down the line of Abraham or the original creation, he is the creator God of life. And here's this from the Enchanted Loom, Dr. Jastrow. Quote, Now we see how the astronomical evidence supports the biblical view of the origin of the world. The details differ, but the essential elements in the astronomical and biblical accounts of Genesis are the same. The chain of events leading to man commenced suddenly and sharply at a definite moment in time in a flash of light 
and energy. That means that creation and redemption are inseparable. The denial of the first, creation, leads eventually to denial of the latter, redemption. That's why in our podcast, we've been so insistent that you must put Creator God and the Redeemer God together. Mm -hmm. Light and energy equals life. Here is the segue that Paul uses to go from creation to redemption, again talking about the instantaneous changes that come about by the Creator God as well as in redemption of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.6 For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. Dr. Jastrow again, another quote, Scientists have no proof that life was not the result of an act of creation. Now, we're going to draw a parallel between life in the womb and the womb that the earth was created out of. So we're going to look at some scripture. First is Psalms 139, verses 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. As in Genesis 1, life is an act of creation and design. Uh, notice that the analogy that David uses here is that he was created in a secret place, meaning un, uh, unaccessible by mm -hmm. uh, mankind, in the depths of the earth, maybe like a seed planted deep down deep, mm -hmm. in darkness, the same way Genesis account begins, in darkness until God says, let there be light. And the baby is in darkness until he comes forth you know, from the womb and to the light. Mm -hmm. So when creation begins in a womb or in the earth's womb, and we'll have a passage from Job in just a moment showing that, here's the point. Darkness prevails. Why not start with light? Genesis doesn't start with light. Mm -mm. And David's life in the womb doesn't start with life. He's in darkness, in that secret place, inaccessible. The beginning of life, creation of earth or in the womb, is shrouded in darkness. From creation to conception, science is in the dark because this is the biblical way of saying this is inaccessible. You cannot know these things. That's why the Genesis account starts first with just the water and the unformed. It's void. It's empty. And he begins to separate and fill things in a very orderly manner, mm -hmm. same way a baby develops in the womb. Number one, God does things in secret and keeps them that way, and we cannot know how he does things unless he tells us. So let's take a look at that. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Okay, the secret things belong to God. Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search things out. Right, God conceals things. We cannot know how things are unless he tells us. Ecclesiastes 8.17 Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However, much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. And this is a theme in Ecclesiastes. We don't know. We cannot know until God brings us a revelation. Here's the point. Science can only study what's here. 
to know the way it got here is beyond its power. Mm. And this is clear. At the end of Job's argument with God, we come to chapter 38, where God shows up in a storm and makes an appearance and calls Job to account. And he begins with the secrets of creation which Job cannot possibly know. Randy's going to read from Job 38, 1 through 9, and then verse 33. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of glory shouted for joy, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out of the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? Yes. Ouch. <laughs> kind of get kicked in the pants there, didn't you? Yes, it? yes. And again, the use of the analogy of the womb mm -hmm. and bringing forth the creation of what we find in Genesis 1.1. Isn't it interesting, though, too, that about faith being evidence of things not seen? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that it's impossible for science to have faith if it, if it approaches things that way. Yes. Only what can be weighed and measured and chronicalized. And that's why uh, Dr. Jastrow's testimony is so good, because he says they are shut up to a closed system, and they, yeah. and they want to get beyond that, and they can't. Yeah. They can't. Um, so, believers accept by faith the Word of God. And, of course, we believe that if you study creation, it becomes uh, obvious as well. As Paul says in Romans 1, you know, God has created things and used his resources. Things that are were created of things that were not, and it's evident if you study that and are open to it. Um, God spoke everything into existence. Remember the passage from Isaiah 40, 28. His understanding is unsearchable. Mm -hmm. Bible is truth, supernatural truth granted to us by revelation from God. Only God who exists outside of creation can give us the word on how all things began and why life is riddled with sin, dysfunctions. If we work our way backwards, start with the gospel for salvation. For who? For sinners. Why sinners? Go back to Adam. Why Adam? Because of creation. It all hangs together. It makes sense. It's not just supposed myths that are the problem, but everything. Science has no explanatory power for the mystery of life. Here's another quote. It's the last one by Dr. Jastrow. And this is the one that got me when I was in a bookstore back in the mid-1970s looking for some more things on science and just saw this and said, God and the astronomers. And I did not know if he was a believer, an unbeliever, whether he's going to pan the whole idea of Christianity yeah. or what. I had no idea. Uh, so I opened the book up and found this quote immediately and said, okay, I'm buying it. Here's the quote. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He's about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who've been sitting there for centuries. <laughs> Amen. So we've got to choose. The myth of science that the cosmos is all there is was, or ever will be, or the God who created all things, who is, was, and ever will be, worlds without end. Which one explains why the cosmos on a clear night causes wonder and awe to rise within us, 
wonder and awe, which is ordained to move us to seek the one behind it all. Here's how the psalmist does it in Psalm 33, 6 through 9. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Everybody owes God the obligation of giving him the glory for the creation that we live in. Tip of the hat. Tip of the hat for sure. Uh, Bending on the knee at times, I'm sure. All and wonder lead to worship. All and wonder are meant to lead to worship. If you see the cosmos as a closed system, and Dr. Sagan liked to talk about the wonders, but it was not the wonder that he needed. Mm. Here we will finish with Psalm 148, verses 1 through 5 and 13. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. And verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above heaven and earth. His majesty is above heaven and earth. He's outside the cosmos. Mm. Cosmos is not a closed system. It's open to God because he created it. His majesty, his existence, outside the cosmos. And the cosmos gets its meaning by looking to him in praise. And amen. Well, thanks, Jim. You've given us a lot to think about. And I'm sure that there might be questions or comments about it. And we'd love to hear those questions and comments from you. So please send your questions and comments to eventsandexpectations at gmail.com. That's the word events, the word and, the word expectations at gmail.com. And we'll use your question or comment where possible, and we will always answer you. This has been Current Events and Christian Expectations. And until next time, keep looking up.